to uh, bring you a Bible, feel free to just raise your hand. I'll have somebody uh, bring one to you. Uh, we are in our fourth week of a series uh, called Peace House. And we're looking at a simple question and finding a, a deep vein of Scripture of God's thoughts, uh, answering a question, how can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? How can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? So let's pray and ask for God's help this morning as we uh, get started. Lord, I thank you that you are with us every day uh, and that you have thoughts, uh, that nothing is too complicated for you, nothing is too hard for you, nothing too big or too small. I thank you that you've already spoken to us, that you've already revealed yourself to us personally and shared your thoughts with us on um, things spiritual and things practical. Lord, help us as we turn to your word to understand it, what you've spoken, and help us to respond. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we have been looking at a word that we get from the scripture, God's word, if you will, for peace. And uh, all the scriptures that we have been looking at these past four weeks, uh, sorry, the past three weeks, this is the fourth, um, use a similar uh, root word here in this in this word peace. And I thought it is helpful for us to look at it because I know that when we identify the question, how can a home bring peace to a neighborhood, that sounds kind of complex, that sounds a little bit intimidating, um, and it sounds like, man, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in my neighborhood that I've got nothing to do with or that I'm not going to be able to affect. But as we saw in the first week, when God speaks about peace, um, he speaks about things that are complex and with multiple moving parts. And what he's communicating is peace, a state of being in good health. And that would include uh, a medical definition of not having a deficiency, not having a lack. It would include that there isn't something that is broken, uh, but it would also include that there isn't a deficiency. And I think all of us humans at some point have experienced some form of physical ailment where there's something broken or something that is deficient. And so this God word peace is talking about a state of being in good health, the ability to function at full capacity, able to rest and free from conflict or danger in every area of your life and in every relationship. And the previous topics that we've looked at, you see on the screen here, first of all, it's a God idea. Uh, it is a God idea for us to care about. It's a God idea for us to receive. It's a God idea for us to pray about. It's a God idea for us to be aware of the peace in our neighborhood and our city. And it is a God idea for us to talk to him about that. And it is a God idea for us to work toward peace, not only inside us and in our relationships, in our neighborhood and in our city at large. It is a God idea. And in, you can, on our website, cityharborchurch.com, you can uh, download, listen, or stream, or other podcast apps, a previous week's session, and get a sense of, this is a deep vein in scripture. Um, this is an important and essential truth, and one that I think um, Christians on the whole, in U.S. history in particular, have stopped short of pursuing had we not, things would have been different. 
So first of all, it's a God idea. Second, we talked about peace inside the house. And we talked in particular inside your home about conflict resolution with each other, about honest communication and about forgiveness and about forgiving each other and what that looks like and defining that. Because if there isn't peace, uh, we've also in this talked about uh, peace on the inside of you as it relates to you receiving salvation and forgiveness from God and then how you receive and apply that peace personally and then from there taking that peace into your relationships. So we see that it's a God idea for there to be peace inside you inside those that are in your home and inside your relationships. You can't bring peace into a room if there isn't first peace inside you. So third, uh, last week we talked about building relationships in your neighborhood outside of your home with other people. Uh, building relationships, we talked about many different aspects of that and purpose to it, but primarily we focused on you can build relationships with others, people that you don't know, by loving them, by listening to them. Um, and we, we talked about that at length. I thought there was some really good content there. Uh, you saw on the screen today we're going to talk about help and hospitality. This one's going to be fun, right? Man, some of these other ones have been heavy and hard, and I don't like that. And I'm already thinking about food, so this is good, (laughs) right? So help and hospitality. And what I'd like to do is just kind of open up the scriptures and help us to understand that God has some thoughts about this. So I'm going to start in Romans uh, chapter 12, which I I think is particularly relevant to life in Baltimore. And I want to read verses 6 through 13. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 13. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 6, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 13. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 you see on the screen there. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. Now, I think it's important to get a sense of this word hospitality and what it actually means in the original language by the people that spoke it and and shared it with each other. And here's what it means specifically. Hospitality, bringing someone who was far to be near. Like this, near, far. (laughs) Far, near, right? Is that helpful? That helped me. Bringing someone who was far to be near. Hosting someone in your home so that they 
so that you may cause one who had been a stranger to you to become a friend. In fact, the Greek word holds in it the Greek word stranger and friend together. It, the word, it's literally a word picture, this hospitality word of, maybe you had a grandpa who said this, right? Any stranger you ever seen is just a friend you didn't know yet. <laughs> that wasn't my grandfather. <laughs> He was, he would slip into a Norwegian accent quicker than that. So the, um, this word literally has, um, a little bit of purpose, a bedrock of purpose, and it actually has a little bit of tension to it. Um, and I, I think that it's actually a good word picture about what's involved with Jesus being a, a, a mediator in his time on earth, and now the Holy Spirit is for us a guide for us to receive that salvation between God and us, bringing us who were once far to be near to the Lord. And in the, this is a perfect example of taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and applying it to our lives. And in this same word, we get the same picture. We are in a place of tension. You want to feel some stress and tension? Well, a little bit of the stress and tension that you may feel is that while we are here on this earth, before we leave or Jesus returns, whichever happens first, we are in a state of a little bit of tension, and that is we live in a broken world with lots of problems. Things are jacked up. They're not the way that they should be. And we're ourselves in a state of illness and disease, various consequences of the curse of sin, and we're in this world that's got problems. And yet we are in personal relationship with the living God in whom there are no problems. The only true source of love, hope, peace, and joy. That is our living God. That is whom we speak to. And so even just in our relationship, we were, think about this, and this little bit uncomfortable truth. Ben, let's talk about food. Okay, just a second. Um, a little bit of the uncomfortable truth is that we are designed to be in a place of tension, a place of being in relationship with a living God and in relationship with humans that are broken, some of which are rejecting him constantly. We're actually designed for this. And so some discomfort, some tension, some is healthy. Now, if it starts to take away your smile, then it's like time to get a little bit back closer to the living God. But if you spend all your time with the living God and you're not fulfilling your purpose in this world, you will start to develop a a, a disorder, a, a different kind of frustration. Like, I don't understand. I'm spending all my time with God, but I'm still frustrated. It's because you're not doing what you were designed to do. Does that make sense? So I, what I love is that those spiritual truths, which are deep veins, as it were, like mining gold. I keep using that analogy today for some reason connect with this simple word hospitality. And in this simple word, both the word stranger and the word friend are there. And there's a purpose not to take friends and make them strangers. That's the wrong direction. But instead to help people that are strangers to you and strangers to the living God and bring them in. Bring them into your home. Yes, that's explicit. And bring them into your life. Yes, that is also specific. Bring them into a relationship with you and into a relationship with the living God. That's why this word carries with it near and far. Shall I do it again? First <laughs> Peter chapter four, verses nine through 10. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. 
God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I want to make a comment here. Gifts like hospitality, healing, and prayer, we can easily allow ourselves to say, oh, there's some people that have that gift. That's actually a lazy, immature approach to Scripture because there's actually enough Scripture that if you pay attention to the grammar, the context, and all the verses and let the Bible interpret the Bible, prayer, healing, and hospitality are actually supposed to be all y'all and me. (laughs) Hospitality is, yeah, sure, there are some people that are better at it than others, but if you read the explicit words of Scripture, meaning not the nasty parts, the plain, simple truth parts, right? If you were the, read the plain, simple truth parts, hospitality is for everyone. A courageous generosity, a sharing of your time, energy, and money uh, with others, with those who are far to help bring them near. And another thing that I really don't like about this verse is that word cheerfully. I find it a lot more comfortable for myself to be grouchy. <laughs> off my lawn. I don't have a lawn. Get out of here. Get out of in front of my house. It's easier to be grouchy, right? But here's this word that Peter writes. And did you read the stories of Peter? Peter could be a grouch. He could have lived in a trash can at one point. Oh, that was Oscar. It's Peter who writes. And Peter who, by the way, was confronted for Paul by behavior that was kind of racist, you know, is Peter who writes, cheerfully, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you, and there's the plural you there, this letter is for all y'all, each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. The grammar, Greek is so much more expressive than English, but you wouldn't get this just from the English alone, but from the Greek, um, Greek is really spoken in paragraphs, not sentences, the way that you see here. And the word that is most important is put at the front of the paragraph. And so if you were to just do a translinear from English, it would be super confusing. This is specifically written to everybody to cheerfully bring people into their home. And the hospitality, and this is deep throughout the scripture, in fact, this is a requirement a qualification of any elder of the church. First Timothy chapter three, verses one and two, and Titus chapter one, verses seven and eight. It's a requirement. If you want to be an elder in the church, you must do this. It doesn't say you have to be old. You get my point. This is a big deal to God. How on earth do we do this? I'm so glad you asked. You're going to need some recipes. (laughs) You weren't expected that, were you? Listen, it's never been easier than it is right now to get recipes. Just Google some. Okay, Google, find me a recipe for what to do with chicken. Okay, Google, find me a recipe for how to make a fudge brownie. Okay, Google. It's easy. It's easier now than it's ever been before. And... If you don't do some practical things to help prepare yourself for this, it's going to be really hard to be cheerful. So it takes action, some simple action, to set to help yourself have a better chance to obey God's Word. You didn't expect this today, did you? Right? Keep a list of recipes. But 
Get a Blue Apron subscription. Something, right? Find them. Share some magazines with each other. Text them to each other. Rebecca's got a ton of them, right? Y'all can't have my chocolate chip cookie recipe, though. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Keep a collection of recipes. Have it ready. Something salty, something savory, something sweet. Have some variety. Have some preparation, okay? Second... And this one is really important. Write a list of people. Now, I do recommend that you start easy so you can start within this room. But it's not hospitality if we're not bringing in someone who is far. So sit down with the Lord a little bit of quiet time and say, God, who's on your list for me? Your list is going to be different than my list. And that's the genius of God. That's how a home can bring peace to a neighborhood. Write a list of people. Get them down. And ask God for guidance in that respect. Get a list. Now, schedule it. And here's what I want to say specifically today. Today, schedule a time slot soon. There he goes. Talking that mess in church again. Schedule something soon. Block out some time on your calendar and make it available. So we're not. This is what we're going to do at this time of the week. Okay? Block out some time and make it soon. Alright? Schedule it. Now, listen. Don't do a New Year's resolution and make your plan so ambitious and so big and this monthly, this, that, and the other that it's impossible. You just get discouraged and you don't do anything. Just do one. One. Put one time. In your plan, okay? We, we say, we feel like we value certain things, but if we want to know what we truly value, we open up the bank account, open up the schedule. Because when we say, I don't have time, I don't have money, what we're really saying is it's not a priority. And God says that these are things that are priority. And here's what I believe. When God knows that he can trust this church, he will grow this church. Right? A bigger sheep shed isn't going to bring in more sheep. It's us. Billy Graham said that for every crusade, the number of people that responded at the altar, and there were millions, was in direct proportion to the number of churches and people that were prepared and that were praying for them. This is where the rubber meets the road. Y'all are good at this, so this is, shouldn't be a big deal. Schedule it. Start simple. You don't need to do a full three-course meal. Right? Okay? You're not Chef Ramsey, right? You're not Chef Chad here on the avenue. That's not you. Just you do you. Do the thing that you like. Prepare it. Start simple. Pray. Ask God for help with this. The scripture tells us to. When you need help, ask. And you're going to need help. Pray. Ask God for help with this. It's important. Now, I love talking about this because we're already pretty good at this. So Allison does a family meal on a regular basis. And some of the people that Allison brings in are people that were relationally far. And she's bringing them in to be near. Ron and Lisa constantly bringing people into their house. Whatever state of family relation, neighbor, geographic location. And in whatever in state of intoxication or sobriety that they may be in. They're people that feel far that are... Am I right? Am I exaggerating? No. Right? Y'all are good at this. 
Steve and Melinda, like they, they have so much activity in their house with the neighbors. I'm surprised some of the neighbors aren't suing, right? <laughs> Mine too, right now, pray for my neighbor. She's stressing out, right? So it's, they're bringing people into their home on a regular basis. People who were far, bringing them in near. Justin and Becky for years, de- uh, budgeting time, energy, and money to help people make transition from various states of homelessness and addiction to a state of health. Ben Ben and and Christian, regular community meal, constant activity, constant investment of time, energy, money, sharing food around a table for the sake of Christian community. But in it, I always hear about people who were far that are being brought near. And the list just goes goes on and on and on. For Rebecca and I, when we first moved here, we threw an open house. And just invited everybody on the street. You guys got to meeting everybody on the street. We threw an open house and invited them in. Some people thought, that's really weird. But I'll go. And we met some neighbors. And the house had been renovated in 08. So some of them were really curious because the stairs were totally different. Like totally different alignment than any of their houses on that street. And had an open floor plan and all these other things. That they, we got to know people. People had been far who were... And then a few weeks later, one of them said, listen, I'm the neighborhood gossip and we decided you're okay. (laughs) So this is a safe place to find and follow Jesus. And we, we have laughter and good relationships in this room. We feel safe in this room. But I hear the Spirit of the living God ask us about what happens when we go out from here. And in what way are we making our homes, our cars, our workplaces, our schools a safe place where people can find and follow Jesus? This, this is where it's this is where it's real. I want to remind you of the Good Samaritan ser- sermon series that we do. It took several weeks to look at Jesus is asked, "What's the most important thing in all of the Scripture?" And he says, "To love God with all you've got, and love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself." And what we identified in, in that was five different principles that are in that that you see. And I just want to remind you of that. What we see is that the Good Samaritan crosses an, an ethnic line where there's racist and there's, there's violent racism between the races. The Good Samaritan crosses the line, but he does so with compassion. God has not asked you to reach out to others without compassion. And God knows that you need help with your compassion so you can ask for help with your compassion. What we also see in the story of the Good Samaritan is courage. It's going to take courage. In fact, when we follow Acts and Romans and so on and so forth, most of the time that you see the Spirit of God came and fell on them, the result was they had more courage. There was a boldness to be able to reach out to others. That was the direct result. So it's right for us to say, Holy Spirit, smack me or something. Blanket me. Wash over me. Fill me to overflowing so that I can have courage that I don't have on my own. Courage. Creativity. What you see is there's a creativity that's going on. And we talked about that at length. And then commitment. There was a follow-through all the way. It takes commitment to not only have the idea at the beginning, to, but to walk it out and to do it. And then it also takes cash and credit. We saw that in the story. It's you, You've got time on this earth to reach out to people who don't know Jesus. And then when Jesus returns, it's all over. It's something you can't do when we get to heaven. Right? And so your time, energy, and money, is it yours? Who gave it to you? Who's your provider? We have stress and anxiety and doubt because of the instability in our workplace. I know what that's like. I've been through that. They're laid off on Christmas Eve once. 
But is God your provider? Or is the person who's signing your check your provider? That really affects our value system. If I view God as my provider, as my safety net, as the one who breathed life into me, as the one who initiated in me and will complete in me this thing called salvation, then it's a whole lot easier to kind of change up my priorities. Are you with me? Okay, so hospitality, sharing food, everybody ready to eat now? Help. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse uh, 28. Um, the first Corinthians chapter 12, our small group is looking at right now. And I just want to read this verse. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership and those who speak in unknown languages, those who can help others. Well, that sounds kind of ambiguous. Well, here's what the word there actually means. The word there means to take up a task with. So that means you see somebody doing something and you get involved and help them. So all of us in our neighborhoods see things that are wrong, right? See activity or problems or things that shouldn't be the way that they are. And we can get frustrated about that, impatient about that, or have a lack of understanding of the other humans in our neighborhood and what they're going through. Or we can build rapport and then build relationships, love people by listening. And when we see them at work at something, we can get involved. We can take up a task with. And there are many verses that refer to this, but it's something that God wants us to do. That means you see a need and meet it and look for who is meeting it and partner with them. So, you know, our family here's gotten involved with the garbage cleanups in this neighborhood. It's like we see garbage around, move here from Portland, Oregon, so this is a little different. There's garbage all over the place. This is Hamden. Welcome to Baltimore, hashtag. Whatever. Like, well, wait. And then we find out by meeting other people that there's a group that in the good weather months, once a month, they're out cleaning up garbage. We can do that. Hello? Figure out what is already happening and get involved. Now, you can get overcommitted and then you're stressed out. Then you have no joy whatsoever to share Jesus. So pay attention to your virtue level and to getting overcommitted and doing things that God doesn't ask you to do. So pray and ask God for wisdom in it. But I think one thing that you'll find as well. So uh, this past week, one of our next door neighbors, sewer line totally clogged up. Well, we've gone through that. That's a stinking nightmare. And so as soon as I found out... Yeah, I didn't even mean to. So I found out, and I got involved. I called the city for him. I gave him some information. I followed through with the city workers that came and checked the line. and did. I followed it through. He's working on it. I'm going to help him out. I'm going to work on it. And now for the first time in five years, they've invited us over for dinner. Get involved. So Brian's out trying to start his weed eater to address his grass, and one of his neighbor walks by and gets involved with him. They didn't start it, but they had a great conversation. 
Joe develops a great relationship in his neighborhood because he sees somebody out there at work and he jumps in and gets involved. My favorite is shoveling snow. I, where I grew up, we'd get like ice on everything. Didn't get snow all that often. You could drive to go see it, but we didn't get it all that often. <laughs> I have found that shoveling snow is one of the easiest ways to meet my neighbors because I've got some white neighbors that won't come out of your, the door no matter what. You can knock on the door any time of day. They're not coming out. They're in their cave and they're good. But if I'm out there shoveling snow, they'll come out and talk to me. Take up a task with somebody else. And again, really important that we don't take up a task with an attitude that I'm going to fix you. Right? That's when helping hurts. Hey, I've been seeing that, man, your car is really jacked up or, you know, your driver. No, 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 no. What comes out of your mouth is really important. Do you just have an attitude to help? You don't need to give them all the answers. This is an action gift. It's about taking action. Will you take up a task with them? See the need. Look for who's meeting it and partner with them. I'll leave you just with a couple of closing thoughts on help and hospitality. Choose to live life with a priority on being ready to help others. Budget, there he goes, cursing in church again. Budget your time, energy, and money so that you can walk slow enough to see what's going on and be available for conversations. So reality is, life comes at you fast, you get commitments, you've got pressures, you don't have answer for this, you don't have answer for that. And it's easy to say, okay, well the answer is more work and more work until I pass out and then, then more work until I'm like so comatose, all I can do is stream shows and six, seven, five, four, three, two, sure, I'll watch the ne- next episode. Budget your time, energy, and money so that you're at a state of health where you can, when you come home and leave, when you when you are coming and going, you can walk slow enough to be available for what's going on in your neighborhood. It's not complicated. And it works. But it doesn't work if you're not budgeting your time, energy, and money. If you're always running late to work, you're not going to see a need or something that's going on in your neighborhood in the morning. So there's that half of the day. <laughs> Too real? I some of you looked at me like daggers. Right. The morning, I need my sleep. I know, I know. Get up a little bit earlier. Adjust your schedule. I used to, I I did this in my jobs. I would show up extra early so that I had time to be prepared for work, but also so that I was there in the office making my coffee, having time to have conversations with people. Now then, when it came time to work, I worked. And they want to come up and chat and like, hey, can we chat at lunch? But because I was available to chat, not on my employer's time, on my time, before the shift, after the shift, on a lunch break, they knew that. That's just too practical today. You, you hear what I'm saying? Like, adjust your, adjust your energy so that you're available for conversation. Now again, I don't have time for this. I don't have money for this. Well, it's about adjusting your priorities. And just a piece of perspective... I think that you should have annual and quarterly and monthly checkpoints between you and God where you ask yourself some very simple questions. God, what are my roles? What roles do I have? And for me in my life, I've identified my roles to be a Jesus follower first, a husband second, 
a father third, a pastor fourth, a neighbor fifth, and so on and so on. And what you may notice is that a U.S. citizen with opinion about politics is kind of low. Some of you will get that later. (laughs) God, what are my roles? And under each role, what are my goals? What we're talking about is foundational value system God thoughts. Maybe the frustration you feel, the angst, the is because you've gotten too involved with things that are temporary. And you've not built your life based on a value system that comes from God who created you, a God of love, a God who has unlimited resources. God, what are my roles? And under each role, what are my goals? And then from there, I add in the questions, under each role with each goal, how can I serve the people involved in that area? And how can I surprise them? Now, I'm still growing in this. I'm not perfect. I still have lessons. I still fail. I still mess up. But what I've found is that when we simplify, simplify, and focus on the things that matter to the heart of God, there's more peace, there's more fulfillment, there's more joy, there's more, well, I can't do that, but I can do this, and now I'm living knowing why I'm living the way that I'm living. My perspective on even going to my job has just changed. Because you see, God gave Adam and Eve vocation and work before the sin, the curse of sin came in to add labor to it. So there's inherent God-given value in your work and whatever that is. So when I start to approach life like this and I start to understand the basics, then I understand, listen, and here's the, here's the thing, right? The response of your neighbor, if they say, no, I'm not coming over to your house, that's weird. Well, guess what? That's not on you. What's on us is to be obedient to God. Their response, their response is between them and God. And that helps make me harder to offend. I just let it go. Jesus told his followers they go into a village to minister to people and they reject him. Wop the dust off your feet and go to the next place. He's a sales manager I used to say, let the no guide you to the yes. You're going to get rejected. You're going to have persecution. Oh, these are the words of Jesus. There's going to be things in this life that don't go the way you want them to. Not everything is a personal attack and a front and offense. I do recognize that in this, we need to receive healing for where there has been rejection. I get that. And that can be something we can pray for each other here today. We do. We need to receive, we need to be honest. Like, so this, this, that, I was rejected in this way, right? So we need to receive healing for it. Go through a process of forgiveness related to it. And then we need to ask God for his dream for our neighborhood. That was good right there. I don't care who you are, that there was good. We need to receive healing and we need to ask God to help us see his dream for our neighborhood. Let's stand and close in prayer today. Lord, I thank you so very much that you have created us by design, that you love us, that you lead us because you love us. And I thank you that you have given each of us an opportunity to help someone else, to take up a task with them and to do hospitality, to love on others, to be friendly to those who are lonely, those that are hurting, those that are discouraged. Lord, to open up our homes, to open up a, a, the, the counter at lunch, to, to, to reach out to others and help bring them in. And God, I ask that you would put within us 
your overflowing, limitless, unfailing love for people that are the eternal investment. Put your love within us. Give us courage and direction today as we walk this out and respond to you. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.